Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How would you like a 15% discount to my daily email, the stack of stuff, the show notes, discounts to the conference, all of that? All you need to do is text the word SHOW to 33777. You'll get the annual subscription with a 15% discount to my daily email. You'll get the stack of stuff, the links to the show notes, discounts to the conference, and so much more. All you have to do is text the word SHOW, S-H-O-W, to 33777. Text SHOW to 33777. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Greetings, America. Welcome. How are you? The phone number, 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, I am happy to have you. Uh, We got to move to the news in Washington, D.C. and in a possible shutdown in Washington. I got to tell you. Um, I, I kind of feel bad for Mike Johnson. All the pressure in Washington is being brought to bear on the Speaker of the House of Representatives, Mike Johnson. It is good that Mike Johnson is a man of deep faith because he's going to need it right now because everybody is training their guns at him. Had a caller on the show yesterday uh, say essentially Mike Johnson's to blame for the immigration compromise not getting a vote in the House because Donald Trump has his arm up his backside treating him like a Muppet, controlling him, and it's simply not true. Johnson finds himself in a very unenviable position. He is the Speaker of the whole of the House of Representatives, but by virtue of being speaker, makes him in large part the leader of the Republican majority in the House, which is only a roughly two-seat majority, where increasingly the members of that majority hate each other. There are a number of high-profile Republican departures. Probably the most surprising is Mike Gallagher. He's only like 39 years old, and he has had enough. Uh, It's chaotic, and part of that is by not winning bigger than they did. In 2022, I, along with pretty much everyone else, could see the polling, and it was a massive red wave coming. And then in August, media polling started showing the wave dissipating, and partisan Republican polling kept showing it growing. And it is obvious now that we were all being played by Republican pollsters who were putting out really crappy polls while actually the media polling was pretty dialed in. The media polls saw what was happening, uh, and the the Trafalgars of the world and, and the like were like, oh, no, a big Republican wave coming. And in, in some places, it did pan out. I mean, ironically, Republicans won the House because of a big red wave thanks to Lee Zeldin in New York. He may not have won the governor's mansion, but he swept a bunch of other Republicans in office. It was remarkable. In California, Republicans had a good night. 
In Arizona, Republicans got wiped out in a number of statewide seats, but actually did very well in, in the congressional races and the state legislative races. So it was kind of like, I, I've been calling it Schrodinger's wave, where you looked, you couldn't see the wave. And when you didn't, uh, there obviously was. Republicans nationwide in 2022 won the majority of the popular vote nationwide, which doesn't often happen for the GOP, and yet it did. But the way it played out in the House was a very narrow majority that's continued to get more narrow. You had Kevin McCarthy, an opportunist with no principle in the position of speakership. He's gone now. And you have a very principled conservative Christian evangelical as Speaker of the House named Mike Johnson, who became the compromise candidate because everybody kind of liked him. And now he's everybody's bad guy. I don't like to be transactional. It is it is probably a bad thing to some degree. But I just think if if I'm friends with someone, I'm friends with them. I'm, I'm not friends with them because they can get me something. I can be an acquaintance with someone. But if I decide I'm someone's friend, it means something to me to be someone's friend. It, it means something to not be transactional. And by all accounts, Mike Johnson is not a very transactional guy in a very transactional business. And many of the people around him who liked him uh, and and respected him put him in the speaker's office and then became very transactional with him. And there's got to be some level of frustration on his part there uh, because he's got a two-seat majority and the Republican majority, they don't like each other. The Democrats are holding firm. See, the problem is that on the Republican side, in, in all candor and honesty, uh, there are a number of Republicans who it doesn't matter if they're in the majority or the minority. They can fundraise. They can make a name for themselves, and they're in Washington and get on TV. Uh, Matt Gates comes to mind, for example, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and others. doesn't matter if they're in the majority or the minority. They still get the clout. They get the fame. They get the notoriety. They get the attention. They get the fundraising. They get the parties. Uh, they, they get to hang out with Donald Trump, uh, and, and they love all that. On the Democratic side, if you're – uh, Ilhan Omar or Rashida Tlaib or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you can't get your progressive agenda done if you're in the minority. When you're a do-nothing populist who just wants to watch it all burn, doesn't matter whether you're in the majority or the minority, you can still strike matches. So Mike Johnson has to deal with with a group of Republicans who actually wish to accomplish something and a group of Republicans who don't want to accomplish those things and a group of Republicans who don't want to accomplish anything except get on Fox News and go to Mar-a-Lago. It is an unenviable position. I'm hoping to meet him next week. So I'm a native of Louisiana, and I actually really like I think it's kind of cool that um, there's a Speaker of the House from Louisiana, even if it is a Yankee speaker. So when I was growing up, my grandmother, who's from um, Plaquemin, Louisiana, uh, she insisted that if you live north of Alexandria, Louisiana, you were a Yankee. Now, we know that's not true, but in Louisiana, there's still northern Louisiana and south Louisiana are two completely separate cultures. You get south of Alexandria, Louisiana, which is the, the middle of the state, right smack in the middle of, of the boot. It's it's kind of like the ankle bone uh, in Louisiana. Um, and north of there, is, they're Baptists. And south of there, they're Catholics. 
Uh, now, I grew up in a, a Southern Baptist household, um, and you, you go further south, and you're more Catholic, and you start to speak French. It's a wonderful state. Y'all, I love my home state. I, I live in Georgia and have for 20 years, but I, I love my home state of Louisiana. Uh, the people, the food, uh, it's just it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your party. It doesn't matter your background in Louisiana. Uh, everybody is part of Louisiana. But Mike Johnson's kind of a Yankee. He's he's from Shreveport. It, it's like East Dallas. <laughs> but that's okay. He's one of us, uh, and and so we take him. He was a great conservative member of the Louisiana legislature before he got into Congress. He's been a great conservative in, in Congress, and now he's the Speaker of the House, and he is the most put-upon member of the House of Representatives. Uh, this is from Axios. Mike Johnson cornered at intense White House meeting. Uh, essentially, uh, Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell and Kasim or uh, no, um, Hakeem Jeffries. Sorry to say, Kasim Reed. Good lord, uh, uh, Hakeem Jeffries um, cornered Mike Johnson, demanding he pass everything that the Senate has. Uh, you know, here's the reality for the Democrats: the the House Republicans may just be a fractured mess right now, but they're still in charge. And the idea that uh, the Senate can shove everything it wants down the House's throat is wrong. Even among House Democrats, they don't particularly like the Senate doing this. I've, I mentioned this to you before, but if you talk to a member of the House or the Senate, uh, they say that uh, the the Democrats in their House are the opposition and the enemy is the, is the other House. So senators believe that the Democrats in the Senate are the opposition, but the House is the enemy. And the House believes all the members of the House, Democrat and Republican together, believe the Senate is the enemy. Johnson has to preside over all of it. Now, we may be heading for a government shutdown. Uh, Johnson is hoping they can kick the can down the road for maybe another week or so while they iron out their ideas. A partial government shutdown could happen this weekend. A full government shutdown would happen a week later if they're not able to come to terms. This actually helps me. If it's a partial government shutdown, the parks and the Smithsonian will still be open when I'm on my class trip with my kids' ninth grade class next year. They can shut it all down after we leave. I don't care. But next week, please, for the love of God, allow us to tour the Smithsonian. Otherwise, I can see that, that Daddy Warbucks here is going to be paying for everybody to get into the spy museum because it's it's a for-profit museum, uh, or, or, or at least you got to pay to get in so it won't be closed down. I don't know about that. Um, please don't shut down next week. Please, for the love of God, let me get through this trip next week with these kids. <laughs> Can y'all imagine me chaperoning a group of eighth and ninth graders to Washington, D.C., and you're not even allowed to, like, set foot on the mall? That's what happened when Obama was president, remember? They paid for police officers to stand on the National Mall and say, you're not allowed to come in here. It's like a park. It's mowed grass, and they wouldn't let you walk on it because of government shutdown. They tried to be as, as burdensome as possible. Of course, uh, it, Joe Biden would be even more awful than Barack Obama because when it comes to that sort of stuff. But they all want to blame Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House. Even Republicans are blaming Mike Johnson. I Granted, he wanted the position. If I meet him next week, I, I, I my, my first question— that I ask him is, what is it like to be the dog that caught the car? 
because he wanted the job and he's got it. And it is a poop show, uh, unmitigated poop show right now to be in the House of Representatives. And by the way, you all know, I, I know a number of members of the House, Some, uh, a couple of Democrats. I know a lot of the Republicans and everybody's frustrated. Everybody's frustrated because they can't get anything done. The conservatives want to go in one way. Everybody else wants to go in another way. Uh, the Republicans hate each other now. Uh, they're all mad at Matt Gates. They're ready for him to run to go for governor, and they all want to write a check for his opponent. Um, it's it's just a mess, and yet they still got to do the job. If they decide not to do the job, here's what's going to happen. It's the worst scenario for conservatives. The Democrats and moderate Republicans will get together, and they will start doing um, discharge petitions to send every piece of legislation they want to the floor. If you get 218 members of the House to say they want to vote on something, well, then it goes to the floor of the House, and it's got to be voted on. And it is going to be brutal for conservatives, and conservatives know this. And the problem is that a lot of people are, who are not conservatives, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, who are populists, they're being lumped in with the conservatives. And the conservatives actually want to get something done. Like my friend Chip Roy. Uh, Chip Roy is, I've known him forever. He is, you know, Chip's kids put my wife on their church's prayer list. All the time, she gets cards from the church, and she knows that uh, Chip's kids have put uh, Christy on the prayer list. A great friend. He wants to see me next week, not because he wants to see me. He wants to see my son's hair. My, y'all, my son's hair is impressive. Uh, he just keeps letting it grow, and instead of growing, like, down, it grows up. It is wild. So I got to go see Chip next week with my kid, and Chip wants to secure the border. He wants to pass legislation to enforce the immigration laws. And you got a bunch of people in the House who are like, no, no, let's use it as a campaign issue. And he's like, no, we need to secure the border now. You got people who want to fund Ukraine and they want to fund the border. They want to fund the border. They want to fund Ukraine. They want to fund Israel. They want to help. And nothing can get done. And it's a two seat majority. The problem here is that the Republicans need to win. They need to win big in November. And by the way, I think the Republicans not only can win the Senate and the House, they can win the presidency. And if you have Trump and you have a, a, a Speaker Johnson, you have a Senate Majority Leader who's a Republican, Cornyn Thune is going to be one of those probably, maybe maybe Rick Scott. You're going to be able to advance a lot of things on a lot of fronts. But the Republicans right now chiefly have to decide that they would rather govern in a coalition, a majority coalition with people they may not care for than hand it to the Democrats. And right now, you got a lot of Republicans who think, you know what, screw you guys, let's just be in the minority. Let the Democrats have it. That is a fatalistic way to fail in governance. And unfortunately for him, the Speaker has to deal with all of this. He's in a very unfortunate position. Keep the man on my prayer list these days because he wanted the job, I realize it, but I don't know that he realized what a what an absolute poop fest it would be once he got there. And now you got the Democrats and the Republicans in the Senate trying to bully him into doing what they want. He's got to get votes in the House, and there's no guarantee he can. And that doesn't make him the bad guy. That just makes him the ringleader of the poop fest, which isn't an enviable position for anyone. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Welcome back to the show. Let me go to the phones here. Bill, you're going to be up next on the Eric Erickson Show. How are you? Hi, Eric. I'm good. Glad to hear your voice again. And uh, I have a question that, and don't yell at me for this one. (laughs) All Um, right. (laughs) I'm wondering if, uh, if, 
the fracture between Nikki Haley and Trump is as great as, as they make it out to be. The reason I ask the question is Nikki Haley would bring Trump as a VP candidate, a coalition of voters that Trump may not be able to get. And I'm wondering if Trump is, if Trump and Haley are really maybe in the background okay with the idea of her staying in the race to drag along her coalition that would be very helpful for Trump. Ooh, you know, um, there, there's a lot of speculation about that, Bill. I, 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 I don't know, although what I know of Trump is he is very transactional. If the time comes for Haley to drop out and the time will come, she'll be out of money. And she is willing to endorse Trump. All will be forgiven by Trump, but not necessarily those around him. Uh, there will be a lot of those around him who um, remain unhappy with her. There, there's a lot of um, ill will towards Ron DeSantis still. A number of people on the on the Trump campaign still attack Ron DeSantis on a pretty regular basis. Uh, you are right. Haley would bring to Trump a coalition of tr- Trump-hesitant voters. If she can do it and she's there, much like in 2016, Mike Pence was the person who could persuade evangelicals to side with with Trump. That's why Pence was the nom- was the VP. Uh, Haley might be able to do the same. It, it's intriguing. Um, I, I, I know a number of people who make it more likely they would support Trump if someone like Haley were by his side. Um, but I, I don't know the mind of, of the Trump campaign. They've got some ideas of people and she's not on the list. I do know she's not on the list. We'll see. Now, I want you to be on the list at Hillsdale College for taking this great class from Victor Davis Hanson. You know, I mentioned you guys the great classes they offer on the Constitution. They've got a great one on C.S. Lewis and so much more. Right now, they're offering for free a class on American citizenship and its decline in the world and what it means to the world to be an American citizen. Victor Davis Hanson, that Victor Davis Hanson, he teaches it. And all you have to do is go to ericforhillsdale.com and sign up for it. E-R-I-C-K, ericforhillsdale.com. You can begin a relationship with Hillsdale College by taking a class with Victor Davis Hanson on American citizenship. It's that, That's just, that's fantastic. You really should do this. He's such a great guy, brilliant lecturer. Uh, they're, they're, they're video classes that you can take at your own pace. All you do is go to ericforhillsdale.com today, E-R-I-C-K, ericforhillsdale.com. It's also a great way to get your foot in the Hillsdale community because they're so educational. They're stewards of American constitutionalism, and they really want your support and friendship along the way. ericforhillsdale.com. Go check them out today. So worth it. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. 
Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson. The phone number, 877-973-7425. We're having lots of conversations these days about illegal immigration and illegal immigrants crossing the border. And there's now been a death in Athens, Georgia, that's a murder tied to an illegal immigrant. The rape of a girl in Louisiana, the murder of a two-year-old in uh, Maryland, the murder of a couple in Colorado. And you know what we don't spend a whole lot of time talking about, but it comes up in these conversations, is, is the fentanyl situation. Say story out... Let me just read this to you. Roughly 62,000 pounds of fentanyl smuggled into California was confiscated by authorities in 2023. The total amount of the potent synthetic opioids seized last year, according to Governor Gavin Newsom, is enough to kill the global population twice over. In 2023, the California National Guard supported other law enforcement agencies in counter-drug operations across the state, seizing a record 62,000 pounds of fentanyl at ports of entry. It's unclear what means were used to smuggle the opioid and what form the fentanyl was in when it ships. Compared with just a few years ago, the amount of fentanyl seized by authorities has dramatically surged. In 2021, California authorities seized more than 5,300 pounds of the drug with a street value of $64 million. In 2022, that rose to 28,000 pounds with a street value of $230 million. The total amount of fentanyl seized in 2023 would be worth roughly $670 million. It's unclear whether the leap in the amount of fentanyl seized was due to a large number of officers making seizures or whether traffickers greatly ramped up the amount of drug They were trying to smuggle into the state. That's just California. The Drug Enforcement Agency, the DEA, says that just two milligrams of fentanyl is a lethal dose. In 2022, more than 110,000 people died across the U.S. uh, By drug poisoning, 70% linked to fentanyl. I mentioned this before. I have a friend of mine, and I will state I, I, I know he doesn't do drugs. And he's telling me this story. It, it, honestly, these these sorts of stories I hear more and more, but I, I'm just mindful of this one, that he was in a party. He was invited to a party. It was in San Francisco. He works in venture capital. And that someone brought cocaine. That was his clue that he needed to leave. He said the people were literally pulling out test strips. This is how my cocaine is just this. There's a big lawsuit today, by the way, uh, that's been filed against Andy Cohen, uh, you know, from Bravo and the the Real Housewives series. One of them saying essentially that Andy Cohen spread alcohol and cocaine around so much, trying to keep people uh, tied to drugs and alcohol on these shows to be able to provoke uh, provocative behavior and, and didn't respect people's sobriety and on and on and on. Uh, cocaine is making a comeback, y'all. I hear this particularly in tech circles. I, I, I got, I, I was telling you about this one friend separately. A, a different friend of mine said basically the same thing in the tech circles. He's in the tech community, uh, and that his boss just casually uses cocaine on the golf course. 
And you know, this is a, so these these are these friends of mine. They're they're both good guys, and it's kind of the, those were the signs they needed to find new jobs. Uh, and one of them has, the other is looking, and it just when you're surrounded by a bunch of cokeheads, it's not a stable environment. They realize that they're they're getting out of it, but it is becoming a common thing in tech circles. I have a friend of mine who is a CEO. Uh, y'all would all know uh, of a tech company. Y'all would all know, and he's one of the, one of the big issues he deals with is executives at his company and and drug habits in Silicon Valley. He he is not. He does not. Um, and, but he's like, the, it, it is a huge problem among the 20 and 30 something millionaires and they all carry fentanyl test strips because fentanyl is so common. I saw a local story here where I live, uh, that they've made great progress in the local community combating fentanyl overdoses. Why? The availability of Narcan. In fact, at my local grocery store, uh, at the when you go to the pharmacy, they have boxes of Narcan for sale at the counter. Where is it? I think it's I think it's in San Francisco or Los Angeles. One somewhere in California, local governments are asking people to carry Narcan with them. Like regular, ordinary, non-drug using citizens are being asked to carry Narcan just in case they see someone going into overdose. There's a comedian, uh, Matt Reif. He, my wife actually introduced me to him. My, my wife uh, follows his comedy account. He's very, very funny. He's notorious for just off-the-cuff remarks. With I can't play you his stuff on air. It's, it's profanity-laced, uh, which uh, my wife complains about, but it says it's just amazing to watch this guy. He's so quick on his feet, engaging with the audiences at his shows. That's what he's known for, but he actually has stand-up. You can see his stand-up on Netflix. Uh, and then after the stand-up is over, he interacts with the audience before he goes home, and, and it's all very relatable. But there was one episode uh, that was on that, that it was on Instagram where someone literally overdosed on fentanyl in his show, and someone had just happened to have Narcan because it's what you do these days. Apparently, you carry Narcan around; it's so common, and so much of it is tied to the border. So much of it is being carried across the border. In Los Angeles, fentanyl overtook meth as the most common drug listed for overdose deaths in 2022. 60% of all accidental drug or alcohol overdoses were linked to fentanyl, according to the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health, with black Los Angeles residents killed disproportionately higher. Here in Middle Georgia, where I am, five people died two years ago. They had smoked marijuana that was laced with fentanyl, and they all died. Why is fentanyl being laced into drugs? Because it makes the drugs much more addictive. Now, the marijuana that is grown today, in fact, there's a study actually in, in Bloomberg that um, people who think that giving up alcohol for marijuana are improving their lifestyles. Actually, marijuana is now being more and more studies are showing you have higher rates of stroke and heart disease with marijuana than with alcohol. A 40, 25% higher chance of a heart attack, 42% higher chance of a stroke uh, than non-users of marijuana. Uh, but marijuana is now much more potent the way it has been grown. And vaping in particular concentrates, much higher concentrations, can become addictive. 
Uh, you, you know, the, the hippies used to tell you, oh, it's not addictive. I can quit whenever I want. I just don't want to quit. Uh, now it, it actually can be habit forming because of its potency, among other things. But to really make people who smoke, not not the edibles, not the concentrates, but just the, the green, leafy, stinky marijuana that smells like a skunk, they lace it with, with fentanyl. And if they get the dosing right, it becomes much more addictive and you're going to go back for more. It's going to increase the high and you're going to want it more. You're going to crave it and you go back for more. But it's real hard for amateur amateur guy on the street to lace the fentanyl in it without killing you. And all of this is tied to illegal immigration. We can focus on Lake and Riley, who's murdered by an illegal immigrant. We can focus on the 14-year-old girl in Kenner, Louisiana, who was raped by an illegal immigrant. We can focus on the two-year-old boy in Prince George County, Maryland, who was killed by an illegal immigrant. We can focus on the married couple in Denver, Colorado, that was killed by an illegal immigrant. Or we can focus on all the deaths of all the American kids and adults from fentanyl that comes across the border. Or we can and we should focus on all of the above. And when we look at the situation of the country right now with illegal immigration and we see policy problems in Washington, you should know that the president of the United States has decided he's not going to do anything. It is exactly as I predicted. He's just given up on the idea of doing any sort of executive order about the border. Corrine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, says it's not going to happen. Uh, there, there are no plans to do an executive order that people should stop talking about it. And as I told you guys, if he were to do an executive order right now, it would be an admission against interest that he could have done it all along. And the fact that they're now dismissing it is kind of they, they've realized they've done the politics on it. They know they can't blame Trump. Is there anything new that you can share about the president's visit to the border on Thursday? Does he have any plans to announce any executive actions? So I don't have anything to, I'm not going to get ahead of the president, don't have anything to, to uh, announce at this time. We've, sp- we've spoken to executive actions. I've spoken to that many times. Uh, we think the bottom line is the way to have dealt with this uh, border, the challenge that we see at the border, what we see with this immigration, a broken immigration system that has been broken for decades, is if we, if Republicans have moved forward uh, with um, uh, with the bipartisan deal that came out of the Senate. But instead of doing that, Donald Trump, they listened to Donald Trump, the former president, and they made it about politics. They did not make it about an issue that majority of Americans care about. So they want to play politics with it too. They don't care about the dead Americans. They don't care about Lake and Riley. You saw that the mayor of Athens, Georgia, had a press conference where he began lecturing the crowd about Donald Trump's remarks at Charlottesville, Virginia, as opposed to just owning the fact that Athens, Georgia, has made policy positions that model it after a sanctuary city as best they can within the confines of a law that says they can't do it. They want the political. They want to make it about politics. Your dead child of an overdose or your murdered child by an illegal alien is a convenient prop. Doesn't make them come back. Doesn't heal the wounds. Doesn't do anything to benefit any American. But both sides get a prop for the conversation. 
without actually doing anything. The president could close the border. He could do it. But he knows that if he were to do it by an executive order, the question would be, why didn't you do it sooner? So he won't do anything and instead will blame the Republicans. And, of course, the Republicans, there's a package. They could negotiate it. They could amend it. They could approve it. But instead, they decided uh, they would rather not do anything. They would rather run on the issue as well. Make it an issue. Make it a polling issue. Here's the problem for the Democrats, despite all they want to do and all they want to complain about and all they want to say is the Republicans' fault because they wouldn't pass the deal. Majority of Americans, Democrat, Republican, Independent show, they blame Joe Biden and the Democrats, not the Republicans, and they're right to do so because it's the Democrats who have for a very long time refused to deal with this issue unless there was a big amnesty package. People don't want amnesty. They want a secured border. Now, Let me tell you about Vision Computers. You guys may not care about the border, but you care about your computer system. You care about your company. I've talked to to those of you who may need your own computer. Let me, if you're a small business, let me me just say this. It is expensive to hire an in-house IT guy. I used to work for a law firm that had an in-house IT guy, and he was a wonderful guy. Makes a great living doing this for companies. But you may not have the money to do this, and every dollar you spend hiring someone to be your in-house IT guy is not a dollar you can spend on growing your company. It's just just not. You can stay online and keep your computers up and running with Vision Computers. They can build you the computers that you need, laptops, desktop, workhorse, servers, uh, workstations, gaming PCs for, for your kids. I got one from them from a gaming PC. They can build you the computer you need and want that's customizable, that's upgradable, that stays with you for a long time, that's not the one-size-fix-all one from the local electronics store, and then they can be your IT department. So if, you're, if you've got your computers for your staff, every member of your staff gets their phone number. If you have a problem with the computer, you don't know how to do something, you call Vision. They can oftentimes remote in and deal with it printer setup, email setup. They can help you with all of that stuff. They make it easy to keep you online and keep you making money without having to hire the in-house guy. And it's fantastic service. They don't put you in a queue. They don't make you wait. They don't make you uh, let them call you back. They answer 15 seconds or less, faster than a Google search. So they save you money and they keep you online and they build quality products, y'all. They do a great job. Any one of you nationwide listening right now from Salem, Oregon to Miami, Florida, you can take advantage of Vision Computers visioncomputers.com, visioncomputers.com, or better yet, call them at 404-COMPUTE, tell them I sent you, and they'll save you even more money. They are a great company. Jim, my board op, y'all don't hear his voice, but Jim has been doing business with Vision Computers for over 15 years. My family now has a computer from Vision Computers, and my kid, I've never had to answer a computer question from him. In fact, he just texted me as I'm talking to you that his iPhone has a problem, and Vision won't help him with his iPhone, but I'll have to do that tech support. But for his gaming PC... I never have to answer his question. That's how great Vision Computers is. They take care of everybody from a 15-year-old to an 80-year-old, everybody in between, and your offices. VisionComputers.com or 404-COMPUTE. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So while I was talking uh, in the last segment, a buddy of mine who is uh, involved with uh, law enforcement sent me a picture. Said it was a kilo of fentanyl uh, obtained two months ago in Gwinnett County, Georgia. And it was from Mexico. Just 
it's it's the the amount and accessibility of it is just striking. Uh, all right, um, back to the phones. Holly, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi there. I was I was completely thrilled and elated to hear you talking about how uh, cocaine is making a comeback. Um, Don't be that daughter, thrilled. <laughs> no, no, no. Not that the drug is making a comeback, but that you're shedding light on it. All you hear about is marijuana and fentanyl. But um, my daughter is a criminal justice major. She's a senior at a very large university in South Georgia. And she, uh, this is two-pronged from what you were talking about. She does rides like Uber, but they do it through a group chat on the weekends mm-hmm. to make extra money. And over the last few months, she has been completely mortified and appalled at the people in her car that are talking about, these are college students, how much cocaine they have done that night. Mm-hmm. I'm glad yep. that they're not driving while they're drinking and doing their drugs, and I'm glad that she's able to help them out. So uh, it's not just millionaires, tech people. It's our college kids. Yeah. Marijuana, alcohol, that's nothing. They're into cocaine now. And she has tried to get a program established at the university where, um, I'm sorry, not Sentinel, but Narcan is readily available, just like the Sibrillators mm-hmm. are. Right. And she went to the health clinic at the school. She went to the fitness center at the school, different places, and has shown them numerous reports and statistics of uh, deaths and overdoses. Nobody wants to pick her up on it because nobody wants to admit that this yes. is a problem. This is real. Yep. I, I, look, I, I'm I'm glad you say it like that. And, and Holly, I got to let you go there because because I'm out of time here. But yeah, so you know, uh, back when I was in college, I was the the chief justice of uh, my university uh, judicial system, and there were administrators at my university which I dearly love, and and so many of them were so great, but there were some who just flat out did not want to deal with particular issues. Because they were afraid that if we do this, people will put this school in a bad light and we don't want to make it look like uh, something. And it's so unfortunate that that happens, this, this CYA position. Good for your daughter for championing that. It's, it's a huge issue on college campuses, too. It's become a huge issue among college kids. Uh, and it just it's it, we live in a fallen culture, I realize, but it's like we're back in the 70s. So much of today feels like the 1970s. Um, where is our Ronald Reagan to be the optimistic, happy warrior to lift us out of it? I don't know. Hopefully they're on the horizon somewhere, uh, somewhere coming soon. All right. We are out of time. Uh, be back with you guys tomorrow. We'll see if the government shuts down because they got to get this resolved by tomorrow. And, hey, it's the leap year day tomorrow. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply